What's up, family? Welcome to Speak. I promise it's about to be our best show of the year. Look, that's Dave Hellman. That's Joy Taylor, Eagles all-time leading rusher, LaShawn McCoy, <laughs> two. Oh, my bad. Two. I was leading myself. Uh, I feel it, big dog. When you look that good, you got to check yourself out. Now, you want to know who looks good? The Miami Dolphins. Huge moves were made. Huge moves were made that shook up the entirety of the NFL. Bradley Chubb, former first-round pick, is going from Miami, going from Denver to Miami. A huge addition for the Dolphins. And Jeff Wilson, running back for the Niners, former RB1, is now in Miami as well, teaming up with Mike McDaniel, putting the Bills and the Chiefs on alert. Dolphins fans, y'all know where I stand. Y'all know where Joy stands. Y'all know where this show stands. But let me stand up tall. Miami Dolphins have now one of the best rosters in all of football. The Miami Dolphins are undefeated when Tua starts and finishes games. The Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills. Mind you, they beat the Buffalo Bills with an injured Tua Tungabailoa. The only game that the Bills have lost all season, they lost at the hands of the Miami Dolphins. What are the Miami Dolphins' weaknesses? They can't really rush the passer, and thus they have to blitz. What did they just get? A sack master who's capable of getting two sacks in a game on any given game. The Miami Dolphins, they need a better running back duo. They lost Chase Edmonds in the trade. So what did they get? They got Jeff Wilson, a dude that averages 5.1 yards a touch. Remember the San Francisco 49ers recipe in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl? They had three running backs with over 500 yards, two wide receivers with over 700 yards. They were balanced. Mike McDaniel, offensive coordinator for the 49ers, now head coach for the Miami Dolphins. What does he have a recipe of? Two receivers on pace for 1,500 yards Mm. and two running backs now on pace for 900 yards. The Miami Dolphins are capable of doing things that no other team in football, including the Chiefs and including the Bills, can do. If Tua Tungabailoa is as good as I believe he is, the Miami Dolphins are on the exact same level as the Chiefs and the Bills. And you are not crazy as a fan to say that they are a level above the Bills because you play to win the game. And when the both teams played, the Miami Dolphins won. Albeit at home, the Miami Dolphins won nonetheless. Let's go to you, Joy Taylor. You spent far too much time in Miami, but thankfully you're in L.A. now. I don't think it was far too much time. <laughs> I mean, but you well, might I'm not have been here for some more. You might not have been here, Joy. You might not have been here. Talk to me. I know you are ecstatic. I saw your tweets. If y'all haven't, check them out as well. Did the moves that the Dolphins made put the Chiefs and the Bills on alert? On the on, did the moves put the Dolphins on the Chiefs and Bills level? I'm excited. I apologize. Uh, yeah, well, I think I think both works. I think they do. They did put the Chiefs and Bills on alert. Although the Chiefs and Bills should have already been on alert, particularly the Bills, since as you mentioned, they already lost bang, bang. to the Miami yeah. Dolphins. But yeah, the Dolphins are on the Chiefs and Bills level. Also, I'm throwing the Eagles in there as well. But obviously, we're sticking to the AFC. You mentioned it. Every game that Tua has started and finished, they won. So Tua is undefeated. You're not going to count the, the Cincinnati game. Started and finished. They've won. Dolphins fans deserve this. Mm. Congratulations, <laughs> Dolphins fans. You can have a, a real conversation about being real contenders and not have that looming anxiety that comes with being a Dolphins fan because of the way that things have played out year after year with organizational failures, with mistakes, with players not panning out. It's here. We've finally arrived. Tua is a legitimate franchise quarterback. And the, and, and the organization is going all in on him and putting pieces around him to help him be mm. successful. Tyreek Hill. I mean, look, look at that matchup. Look, look at how that's worked out for the two of them. Yeah. Mike McDaniel, an offensive coach who clearly is on the same page with Tua. Yeah. Now, as, as, as I'm often reminded, I was not completely sold on Tua up until this year. Now, I did say the Dolphins were going to make the playoffs, and I did say Tua was going to be much better this year before the season, but let's not argue semantics. The point is, he has not only silenced the critics, mm. he's playing at a tremendous level, 
But what the organization is doing, who I've been very critical of, and now I have to give credit where it's due, Chris Greer has turned yeah. those picks into Jalen Waddle, yeah. mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, and now Chubb. That's big. You can, you can struggle and then fix things. You can overcome. And that's what the Dolphins organization is doing. That's what Mike McDaniel is doing. By the way, it's a first-time head coach, mm-hmm. which yeah. we don't mention because he's been so great. Yeah. We don't talk about him with Dable and the other, and the other first-time head coaches. This is the first-time head coach. It's really tremendous what he's doing. Going into a dysfunctional situation. And two has proven he's a franchise quarterback. So absolutely, the Dolphins are on the Chiefs and Bills level. Two-five. You played for the Chiefs. You played for the Bills. Won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. You know there's levels to this stuff. I say that politically correctly. Are the Dolphins on the Chiefs and Bills level? Yes. Yes, they are. They, um... They're in the same room. Now, like you said, there's always levels, though. Like, that's not too crazy. <laughs> but I do think that adding Brand- Bradley Chubbs, yeah. right, I think with, with a team, you need a, a high-paced offense, yep. especially nowadays. It's not like the old days. You could just have a great running attack, great defense, and that's it. Put 10 points up and, and can win playoff games, win championships. No, 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 no. You've got to have an offense. They have two guys on the outside that are super fast or lights out. That's like balling. That. They have a solid quarterback with Tua. And now you've got your pass rusher, which Brad- Bradley Chubb. So – I think, yeah, I look the same thing with, with the Bills. They have Josh Allen, they have Diggs, and they have Von Miller. Mm-hmm. So I like them to be in the same category. And it's still levels. Still I levels. The Chiefs and then the Bills and then Miami mm-hmm. and, then the, and then, then the Eagles. Other than that, it's levels, and I, I do think they're on the same level. Dave, before I get to you, Shady, real quick, you saw the Bills lose to the Dolphins, albeit early yeah. it happened, it mattered. Yeah, okay. what, what is it that still keeps the Chiefs or the Bills in your mind above the Dolphins? Well, well first of all, Divisional games are always tough. Exactly right. right. And, and, and um, it's rare you get a lot of sweeps, right? Less is, you know, Tom Brady back in the day mm-hmm. sweeping everybody. So they, they went at home, the, the Dolphins, which they should in Miami. I think the Bills will win when they go to the, um, Buffalo. You know, the Dolphin players, they hate when it gets cold out. Mm-hmm. I witnessed that firsthand. Um, but, but, yeah, I think that the better quarterback, I think they're the better team. Although Miami has a lot of talent. They do. It's close. I would just have to bend to the, the, the quarterback. And I think that the, the coach, Sean McDermott, has been in longer. He has this type of team he really wants. So, they break down the nuances. You've heard it from the person that lived in Miami, the person that's obsessed with Miami, the person that played for the Bills. Break down the nuances of all of this. Does this move put the Dolphins with the elite of elite? I love to get into the semantics of it. That's my favorite thing to do. And, look, I mean, you can't argue from a pure talent perspective – I think the Dolphins are right there with anybody. I mean, they got the best receiver duo in the league. Certainly certainly one of them. Tua looks like a stud. And, Joy, like, such an amazing point that didn't even occur to me. The Dolphins are just throwing away their draft capital. Like, there's, I mean, this, to me, is an indication they are invested in Tua. They are ready to move forward with him. So, you've got your quarterback in place, I assume. It would be very weird if they let him go after all of this. Mm -hmm. They've got playmakers on every level of the defense now. I mean, Xavier Howard's still there. Now they have Bradley Chubb to add. I'm not going to call him a superstar. I'm such a huge fan of Javon Holland. Mike Gusecki is sort of taking steps forward these last few weeks. The talent is there. They already beat the Bills. When you say level, though, level to me means, like, you're in the playoffs on September 10th. Like, week one, we're like, yeah, you know, with the Bills and the Chiefs, they're going to be there. We know they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Can't say that about the Dolphins yet. Not because they don't have the talent. They just haven't done it. I can't give you that sort of credit until you've proven it. I mean, the Dolphins, it's not their fault because Tua got hurt, but they have fallen behind the Bills in the East, so they're sharing a division with a juggernaut. Not saying they can't win the division, but they're going to be up against it. You know, they might have to go on the road 
uh, to start the playoffs. So my only point with that is, if I can manage through this distraction, uh, my only point with that is that this is the type of thing that just takes years and years to prove. Like yep. the Chiefs have been doing it consistently since 2018. The Dolphins haven't been a regular in the playoffs since Dan Marino was there. The only person I know who could talk on television with a fly literally attached to their head. Incredible effort there. <laughs> um, Shady, let me come to you real quick. Joy, can't wait for you to chime in on this one. I think the Miami Dolphins have the best skill positions in the National Football League, all things included. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson. You got a tight end that was worthy of a franchise tag, a first-round pick of wide receiver, another all-pro wide receiver, a running back that was a former 60-meter indoor champion at uh, Purdue in Raheem Mostert, and another running back averaging 5.10 yards per touch, and a quarterback that was a top-five pick. When I look at all of that, I say to myself, it will be very, 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 very hard to stop. The only thing that stopped the Dolphins thus far is injury. That's it. You're right. No, you're right. You were with the Chiefs. You talked to me about the Bills, but you were with the Chiefs. I see those two teams prototype very similarly. Explosive offenses, defenses that have some playmakers, but still kind of like, eh. Can the Dolphins be better than the Chiefs? Let's not talk about the Bills just yet. Let's talk about the other big dogs that you know you got to go by. Ah, that's a tough one, man. You know, and I've been critical of of the Chiefs offense, but not having Tyreek Hill and what it would look like. And they're still rolling. And this looks different, right? I can't put them ahead of the Chiefs. Same same class, though. I think, you know, it's, it's, I think a Bentley, uh, Rolls Royce. It's still nice cars, yeah. right? Joy, Miami, you, you're jumping There's one. a little bit of a di- price but, difference. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a difference. And I think in this case, Andy Reid and, and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes is in the Rolls Royce. And the Miami guys, which there, there's a lot of them. Because I do think they have the fastest offense in football. Yeah, of course. The Dolphins. Of course. But they're in the Bentley. Okay, Joy, you have been a Dolphins fan, but you always say the Dolphins, they, they get you all excited and then they let you down. They get you excited, they let you down. You're not drinking Cowboys Kool-Aid no. because the Cowboys do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you're getting drunk on this <laughs> Dolphins Kool-Aid. Well, yeah, but I know how this hangover goes. So, I, you know, I know, how, I know how much to drink before it gets to be too much. Why is this but- Dolphins team different? Well, first of all, I think I think to Dave's point, the moves that they're making would indicate that they're all in. And and a big problem with the way that Tua's career has gone, and it is no it's to no fault of his own, is that the organization was not in on him. And I think that's part of the reason why he had some struggles early. Mm-hmm. You put Ryan Fitzpatrick out there first, then you put Tua out, then you bench Tua for Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick. Yep. Then you spend all year last year talking about Deshaun Watson. Then you get lose a, pa- a pick for tampering for bringing in Tom Brady. They were never all in on him, mm-hmm. which was always very confusing to me. Why take him as high as you did in the draft to not invest and put pieces around him? Every other quarterback that's been taken has, has gone through that. Even, J- even Jalen Hurts, they got A.J. Brown. That was this year. But you've seen Josh Allen against Stephon Diggs. What has brought in, been brought in for Justin Herbert? What they do for Joe Burrow? And it's always like, here, Tua, go do everything, but we're kind of in on you, but we're kind of not, and right. the coach isn't in on you, and the front office is letting these, these trade rumors go around. So it was all a, a very slow buildup. It doesn't seem that way anymore. These moves indicate to me, we have our guy at the quarterback position. Let's load up. We feel like we're contenders this year. Let's not be shy. Let's be aggressive and make intentional moves. Like, they're running the organization like they want to win mm. and be all in and be convincing and convince Convince fans, convince me 
that this is real. So that's why it feels like like it's real now. And they look like a team. They play like a team that is in the modern NFL, to Shady's point. The offense looks like a team that can hang with the Chiefs, that can hang that's with true. the Bills. And now you're investing in the defense at the trade deadline, which was the one thing, to your point, that was a question about that they couldn't get pressure on the quarterback without blitzes. You're not going to be able to do that when you're going up against a Josh Allen and and a Patrick Mahomes. And when are you going to see them in the postseason when it matters? So to me, that's why the Dolphins feel like they're for real this time around. And that margarita is tasty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Dolphins have their guy, but the Brooklyn Nets, they do not. Steve Nash out as head coach this morning. Pure chaos going on in Brooklyn. But who do you blame for this team being up in shambles? That's next. Do not go anywhere. This will be good. Speak. Yeah, baby. They thought a little rain was going to stop us. They thought a little rain was going to stop us. That's right. Game three in Philadelphia, baby. The Phillies, we've been an underdog. We've been an underdog. I'm going to Philadelphia, what? 2017. 2017. Throw the Eagles, baby. What did we do? We got our championship. That's right. We will do the same thing with the Phillies, baby. Won't rain. Won't stop this tonight. I'll see you out here. I got a private jet waiting on me. They said, they said, they said, uh, Meek Mills is going to be there. They said, Will Smith is going to be there. They said, Kevin Hart is going to be there. Michelle McCoy. Shady McCoy is going to be there, baby. Private jet leaves in three hours. Let's get it, Philly. I love it. I love it. I love it. Shady, catch your breath. Catch your breath. That was like a 20-yard run. Okay, we got to move to the NBA. Breaking news. Steve Nash Nets agreed to part ways earlier today. Now, Brooklyn actually won last night. But they're still off to just a 2-5 and five record. Nash coach superstars Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving for a little over two seasons, but they did not even get past the conference semi. So the real question is this. Who in the world do you blame for the madness? Ooh, I had to think long and hard about this one, ladies, Uh-oh. gentlemen. I had to think long and hard. It's simple for me. There's only one person you can blame, and you got to blame Kevin Durant. For this reason, KD, baby, you refer to yourself as a god, right? We got the tweets to prove it. Kevin Durant, you refer to yourself as a god, so let me address you as such. See, KD, in churches, we know that people say God either allows it or he causes it to happen. So what, KD, did you allow and cause to happen in Brooklyn? Well, the first thing that you allowed was Kyrie Irving to slander your coach on your podcast when he said y'all didn't need a coach. KD, you the god. So what did you allow to happen? You allowed James Harden to arrive in Brooklyn. Then you allowed him to leave Brooklyn. KD, you the God, right? So what did you cause to happen? You caused Ben Simmons' arrival in Brooklyn because James Harden departed from Brooklyn. KD, you the God, right? So what did you cause to happen? You caused Steve Nash to get fired because you said it is either Steve Nash or it is you in Brooklyn. KD, you the God, right? Well, God either causes it or he allows it to happen. And right now the Brooklyn Nets are in shambles because of the God. If you're the God, you got to take ownership for the mess. That's what I heard in church. 2-5, <laughs> who you blaming for the next mess? So, to back up, KD, real quick, you know, the culturally words, we say the God as in like, like the dude, not like, like he's a God. He of just course, said. play on words, figure <laughs> speech. Right, right, right. Okay, um, real quick, you got to give it to Steve Nash. Can we keep it real, right? When, they, when he got the job, I was like, why Steve Nash? Like, what did he do to deserve this spotlight? We deserve, deserve this, this spot as the head coach of the, of the Nets. Okay, they're 2-5, and five, right? You have one of the best defensive players in the game and Ben Simmons. Now, Ben can't shoot. I'm a 76 uh, fan. I know. He can't shoot. He, I mean, he don't want to shoot. I won't say can't shoot. He don't want to shoot. But he plays great defense. He's 6'10", can dribble the ball, can push the pace. 
You got Kyrie Irving, one of the best offensive guards we've ever seen. And then you got the god, Kevin Durant. I won't say much about him. You already know that. So you have these skilled players, and we can't win. We two and five. Last year, you got swept. Mm. They got swept. Same thing Dan Antonio did, right? That's the same thing he did. Swept. They had the same type of offense, the pick and roll game, right? The game is involved, bro. It's involved. I look at when they were with the Warriors. Kevin Durant was with the Warriors. He loved the offense not because he had all them skilled players around him. They moved the ball. They were efficient. The, the stuff I see the Nets, they don't want to play for him. They don't play for Steve Nash. It's time to roll. Listen, I'm glad he's going. I'm glad he's going. Who's the next coach you're thinking about getting? Email Doka. Hey, that's the next series. That's the next segment. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> that's a great tease. You're learning television. Um, <laughs> Joy, who do you blame for the Nets mess? I also think that Shady, if you know, if you want to change careers, WWE is for you. For real? Yeah, I, would, I like the rock. I would love to see if that. If you smell Let me stop. My bad, Rock. I have three pages of notes on this topic, on this hot mess that is the Brooklyn Nets, but it's it's pretty simple. I I, I do a blame pie in situations like this. KD gets a healthy slice. Mm, healthy. Because he's, he's the star, uh, along with the other star and stars and Kyrie and Harden and Ben Simmons. They get their, their slice of the pie. Then you have Steve Nash. And then you obviously have the front office and the ownership. The way to break down the Nets and what's gone on to me is pretty simple. Specifically with basketball, because we know how important adding a superstar can be to an organization and a team. It can be life-changing. It it can change the the course of the history of the city. I mean, LeBron brings billions into a city. It it can change everything. But if you don't have the structure in place, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a lot of talent. We've seen this over and over and over again. Even with Miami and the Big Three, when they got together, right? And that that was a structured situation. They were a championship winning organization. They had pieces in place. Pat Riley was well-run, well-supported. What happened? They got together, said not one, not two, not three. I remember when they were saying that, and I was like, no, you haven't played together yet. And now it's going to be all this pressure. There was already pressure. And what happened? Not only made it to the finals, but they lost. It's not that easy to win championships. And you know what makes it harder? Three pages of notes of incidents (laughs) that go on every week. This is like the White House. I mean, can we get a week? Can we get a week off from the Brooklyn Nets? It's always something. Steve Nash was not qualified for this job. Because you are a great player doesn't necessarily make you a great coach. And when you're dealing with a drama-filled situation like the Brooklyn Nets, Mm -hmm. you need somebody who can walk in the room and put some rings on the table from coaching. This is what I did in this position. So I appreciate where you're coming from. I respect you. But respectfully, you ain't on my level when it comes to what I'm telling you to do. You're not. You have a championship you had a championship with LeBron. KD, you can talk to me. Everyone else, it's not a conversation. And Steve Nash couldn't do that. That's not Steve Nash's fault. He didn't hire himself. So mm-hmm. now we get to the front office. Brooklyn has absolutely no culture whatsoever. You flip-flop on Kyrie if he's going to play with the vaccination. Right. Okay? You, you flip-flop on whether you're going to keep Steve Nash as the coach because KD wanted him out and then he yeah. kept him and now we're seven games in and now he's gone. You put out statements about what Kyrie has tweeted about, but Kyrie's still there. Now you're bringing in a new coach that is coming from a place where you just got let go. What is your culture? What is your purpose? What is your direction? And then you expect us, as the fans and the media and everyone else, to consider you to be championship contenders. Not with all this noise. Yeah, I like that what you said about the coach. 
all the like the, the, the big stars, all the big teams, right? Even like back then with with Magic, right? Yep. They had that documentary of the Magic. They didn't, they didn't start rolling until they got the right coach. Sure. The, the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. So you got the right coach where you can respect, bring a winner in there that we all can agree that, okay, he's the guy. And then the lastly is the Bulls, right? They were doing good, but they couldn't grow off that hump because they need that coach. Phil Jackson came in there and gave it to him, so that matters, the respect he, part of the coach. Dave, before I get you in here, here is why I don't give any blame to Steve Nash. Here's why I have a little bit of an issue with what you all are saying. What coach <coughs> could have come in there and laid down rings and things? That's the point if I If I think about make. it, Steve Kerr, the one that's been winning chips. Outside of Steve Kerr, Pop been winning chips. Outside of Pop, Ty Lue and whoever was coaching Brian been winning chips. Eric Outside Spolstra. of that, you could have said, Doc, yeah. Eric Spolstra, you know better than I do. He ain't leaving Miami not to go coach them. None of them those guys cats. are leaving where no, they're at. So, so what I'm saying is the only, all of these coaches, whether Spolstra, whether Kerr, whether Ty Lue, they were all assistant coaches that you thought, you know what, they coached under mm, intelligent okay. coaches. Yeah. They were promoted. Steve Kerr, coaching under an intelligent coach, he was promoted. Ty Lue, coaching under an intelligent coach, he was promoted. Steve Nash, coached under one of the most intelligent coaches in Steve Kerr, one of the winningest basketball associates in the history of the game, Steve Kerr, and he was promoted. I can't blame Steve Nash at all. Kevin Durant didn't want to play there. Kyrie Irving didn't want to come back. Kyrie Irving is currently arguing with the owner of over what anti-Semitism means and what does not mean. Ben Simmons does not want to shoot. James Harden wasn't in shape. Then he was in shape. Then Kevin Durant ran him off the team. I'm just looking at Steve Nash and saying, you know what, big dog? I am making you immune to this. But Dave Hellman, no. you chime in, sir. You took the words right out of my mouth. Like, honestly, you remember, you remember in school, like, you might have a substitute teacher and there was always a class or, like, a group of kids in the class where you're like, oh, my God, they are going to eat this poor person alive. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel about the Brooklyn Nets. Like, Steve Nash was not qualified for this job, but how, how many people are qualified to deal with everything Emmanuel just listed? Like, was it, it was last spring, it was spring 21 when KD was a shoe size away from, from mm -hmm. beating the Bucks, right? Yeah. That's the last time I remember the Nets like being in the news because of like basketball. <laughs> Everything else, it's just. Yeah. Is, is, can Kyrie play? Does KD want to be there? What like all the stuff with Kyrie over the last week with the anti-Semitism like that? I mean, what coach outside? Like I'll give you Phil Jackson, Pop, uh, Pat Riley. Like it's not a long list of people. Even Steve Kerr. Like Drake. Like obviously they've had to navigate their share of stuff. <clears throat> They've got great culture. Like, Steph yeah. Curry is a part of that. Klay Thompson is a part of that. I don't even know if I think Steve Kerr could navigate that's all of the nonsense that's going on there. Mark so, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mark Jackson. He got that whole Warriors thing really rolling. The point is, is that it, it's not a long list of people. And so, like, no, I don't, I don't know that Steve Nash was cut out for this, but that's not necessarily his fault. It's, it's not necessarily his fault, but he, he wasn't successful. No. And right. the expectations when you take that job with that talent is that you will be successful because mm -hmm. they were there when he came there. The problem, again, I go back to, and what I said a few moments ago, is that they don't have a culture, and that's not changing. And certainly not with this new hire is it going to change either. Mm -hmm. This is what the Brooklyn Nets do. It's chaos. Here's a, here's a list, if you'd like it, of all oh. the incidents that don't include this past week of Kyrie Irving. That's we don't have time to read it because we have things to do. Uh, let's see. Here, I have another list here. Okay, this is the, the way that each of these seasons have ended. I can tell you I could create a documentary in the next 15 minutes on just, just one month of what's gone on with the Brooklyn Nets. But my issue is if this is how you want to run your organization and total chaos and news and drama and all that, that's fine. 
It doesn't matter how much talent you have because at the end of the day, you've got the Milwaukee Bucks sitting back, chilling, just good as hell with one of the best, if not the best, basketball players in the world on any given night. And Giannis Antetokounmpo. You have have organizations around the league who are playing at the highest level who we don't hear nothing about. And they prefer it that way. Let me stop down and ask you something, Joy, before we have to get out of here. So I started off by saying it's on KD. Right, that was my whole premise. Yeah. You have now ended what appears to be the end of this conversation, bringing up Giannis. I think that players can help formulate a culture. Coach Bud, as we know, over there in Milwaukee, we saw what happened, but it was really Giannis saying, look, I'm staying put. Yeah. I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be in Milwaukee. Giannis dictated the tempo. I'm all work. I'm not really any play. That is why I think I'm giving – that's not why I think – that's why I am giving it all to KD. Where do you stand, especially given your last statement in regards to Giannis on like, yo, isn't it the big dog? Isn't it Kevin Durant? Isn't it the alpha? It is. Who it all starts and stops with that individual? It is, but he's not the owner. And he's, he's not the general manager. And he's not the coach. And I think you have to set a tone. And if you look at organizations like the Milwaukee Bucks, we're extremely patient. And they made really smart free agency moves to put pieces around Giannis that helped them be successful. And they were patient with the coach. If you look at Miami, there every single year. They don't fire their coach. They tweak and they add pieces and they develop young players. The Warriors are one of the best examples of drafting and developing yeah, players. We yeah. only think about the top of their organization. I can give you example after example after example. Can you example. do anything with bad kids, though? This, because but, I but look this, at them as bad kids. Point. This is my point. This should be a lesson, not just to the Brooklyn Nets, but to fans and media. When you put a group of talent together, it's great. It's exciting. It's headlines. It's When they're playing well, it's a thrilling. But if you do that, you've got to put the structure around in an organization. Like, to me, I like winners who are consistent, who do the right thing, and it's kind of boring, it's kind of nerdy, you know? But you're quiet, and you do the work, and they win year after year after year. And in this society, where there's constant media attention, you've got to be that if you want to win consistently, and the Brooklyn Nets are not that. Sadie, let me go to a point you made, and this might be the most fascinating point. You talked about Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. Yeah. We all watched the Last Dance documentary. What was most fascinating to me MJ had to buy in. Viewer, remember, MJ averaged 37 points a game, what I believe would have been his third year in the league. Second year, he gets hurt. First year, he balled. Third year, 37 points per game. But Phil Jackson showed up and said, hey, big dog, that's cute. But if you want to win, you got to have to buy into this team thing. Michael Jordan, greatest player, arguably or inarguably of all time. I don't know who Kevin Durant and or Kyrie Irving are buying into. It's a new culture. It's a new day. It's a new age. Keep in mind, Michael Jordan had not won anything collectively before Phil Jackson showed up. Kyrie has won a chip. Kevin Durant has won chips. Is there a coach, and we will get to the coach that they have moved on with, but if players don't want to buy in and you've been a player at an extremely high level, if a player doesn't want to buy in, is there anything a coach can do? I don't, I don't think so, no. You talked about, like, the leader, the alpha. KD's that alpha. But we've seen KD, when he goes to the Warriors, he bought into that, that scheme, that system. So he can be coachable. He can be in a, in, a, in a franchise where, okay, I could dictate what's going on here to be like a team. He has that in him. You just got to find the right coach. Uh, and we talked about, well, I talked about it with, with uh, Mark Jackson. He, he, really, he really built that Warriors, like, foundation, that team. Now, Steve Hurd did a great job of, like, you know, making Taking it bigger. It yeah, elevating it. But 
I think a coach like that, I always wonder why he didn't get another job opportunity because he's, he's liked out as a coach. Mm, that's good. Well, so much interesting stuff going on in the NBA, but that does not make us forget that the Dallas Cowboys made absolutely no move at the trade deadline. <laughs> when everybody and their mama was making moves, America's team, Dave Hellman. Oh, man. America's team. Why don't you bring me into it? That's, made no move. Yeah, that's so Jerry-like. This. We got to talk about uh, that next. I need these Kyrie notes back for later. <laughs> Well, family, it has been a huge day in the NFL. If you have missed it, there have been trades galore, trades happening everywhere. But America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, led by this man, Micah Parsons, had a huge win, but made no moves. It makes no sense. The Philadelphia Eagles, best team in the NFC, they added Robert Quinn. Who is Robert Quinn? Just a man that had 18 and a half sacks last year. The San Francisco 49ers, maybe the most dangerous team in football, added Christian McCaffrey. Who's Christian McCaffrey? Just a 2019 All-Pro running back, capable of having 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. The Minnesota Vikings, another one-loss team. They added TJ Hawkinson. Who is TJ Hawkinson? I don't know. Just a former first-round pick tight end. Keep in mind, the Vikings lost their tight end to injury for eight to ten weeks. Every great team in the NFC is making moves to get better. And the Dallas Cowboys are doing nothing. The Cowboys are not good enough not to make a move. So it makes no sense to me. I can't make sense of it, but I know one person on the planet who don't can. Do, don't Jesus. Do Outside of Jesus. Oh, don't sorry, do, don't do this to me. Dave <laughs> Hellman, I have to oh, say, oh. you spent 10 years with the Cowboys. You've been to Jerry Jones' private dinners. Might have been to his private yacht. <laughs> Never got the yacht. house and all things. Bless you, brother. Okay, allergies, all this cowboy bull crap. You talk. <laughs> You're allergic to it. Um, Dave. That's, that's, that's going to be problematic for you on this show. <laughs> did the Cowboys make a mistake not making a move at the deadline? Yeah, I really think they did. And I, mean, I, mean, I can make sense of it for you. The Cowboys love to buy low on the stuff that they already have in-house. So I haven't heard any comments from any Cowboys officials since the deadline ended, but I guarantee you next time they talk, they're going to mention James Washington working his way back from a foot injury. They're going to mention drafting Jalen Tolbert in the third round and how good they feel about him. That's Jalen Tolbert who's played like maybe 40 snaps Are they all being season. honest? No. You've heard the Cowboys mention no, all these know, things. Are they being honest? They're being, they they're being honest in the sense that they believe what they're saying because they're eternal optimists, but I think it's delusional. And it's not, it's not a knock on James Washington. They signed him in the offseason for the vet minimum. Again, this is a guy like they did not invest a ton of money. He's had 54 catches over the last two years. I just don't know that that's something worth banking on, especially considering he's missed the first half of the season with a broken foot. But that's what the Cowboys do. They assume everything is going to be amazing. And sometimes, sometimes they're right. Like their pass rush looks a lot better than people gave it credit for because Dorrance Armstrong took another step forward. Micah Parsons is even better than maybe we thought that he was. Dante Fowler turned out to be a really nice investment. So sometimes they're right. But how often are you going to be right? especially looking at the state of things, you realize the Cowboys are one of six teams in the league that hasn't had a 100-yard receiver this year? Mm. The other five, you got the Giants in there, you got the Bears, you got the Texans, you got a bunch of sorry teams, mm. and then teams like the Giants and the Titans we know are offensively challenged. Like the Titans, hey, got 5-2 and two record, look really nice. It's all Derrick Henry. Explain That's the this whole to thing. me then, because I'm confused. I don't consider myself a dumb individual, but I feel very dumb right now. I read a stat that the Cowboys have not had eight games without a 100-yard receiver since 1973. Somebody will fact-check me on that, but I heard that to be true. I read it on Twitter. Take it for what it's worth. There you go. Dave, make sense of this. 
If the Cowboys appear to be a wide receiver away, why in God's name would they not try to acquire a wide receiver? Because the Cowboys are going to do everything on their terms. That's just the way that it works, regardless of whether or not that bites them in the butt later or not. Like, for instance, like I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys had conversations about Chase Claypool, Joy's former Steeler, who is now a Chicago Bear. They weren't going to part with a second round pick for Chase Claypool. Like, there's no way they would have ever done that. And honestly, I kind of agree with that, that that feels like a steep price to pay for what Chase Claypool has accomplished. But at the same time, number one. There's got to be other deals that you can make out there. Like the Patriots have a whole list of receivers that they've been trying to get rid of all season. There's two highly drafted guys with the New York Jets who don't seem like they want to be there at all. Like there's got to be something you can make work. And on top of that, let's say even it was too expensive. What, what I love about the trade deadline right now is like teams are saying F it. Here are our chips. These picks aren't that valuable anyway. The Rams won a Super Bowl doing it. We see the Dolphins going for it. The Eagles are never, ever satisfied. It's the thing I love the most about them, the way Howie Roseman is never satisfied by a good team. Everybody else is saying, damn, the league's really wide open, especially in the NFC where you know the Chiefs and the Bills aren't your problem unless you get to the Super Bowl. Why, why not this year? Like, I, I, I don't understand it, and I refuse to believe. Like, if you don't want to go all into the degree of, like, an Amari Cooper type of trade, which, by the way, Amari Cooper could just be on the Cowboys. Like, we could just, we could just not be having this conversation. Amari Cooper looked pretty damn good in Cleveland last night, by the way. Anyway, you don't have to do that type of deal, though. You could have done something smaller. Robert Quinn cost the Eagles a fourth-round pick. You try and tell me there's something, there's nothing you could have done for a lower price. And it just, you know, maybe the Cowboys will be right. Maybe their optimism will be well-founded once again. And James Washington or Noah Brown or Jalen Tolbert is going to have a second half of the season for the ages. But I kind of doubt it. And I feel like we're going to think the Cowboys should have done more when they could have. Joy, you think the Cowboys made a mistake not making any moves at the deadline? Well, I guess we'll find out. I mean, they do have wide receivers that we've seen do things this year. Outside of wide receiver, what other move would you have wanted the Cowboys to make? I mean, I think it wouldn't – I would have Interior been – Interior offensive line. Or, or a cornerback. You know, Jordan Lewis is out for the year now. Mm. Uh, you, they don't need, like, a star cornerback, but maybe some cornerback depth. Big guy. Yeah, William Jackson got traded earlier so today. So I'm with you, I, and I retweeted you earlier when you were talking about this. I do not believe in draft pick hoarding. I have been preaching this for years. It drives me insane when teams that claim to be contenders are like, well, we'd like to hang on to our fifth-round pick for next year. Why? You don't, if you can possibly get someone that you know can contribute in the NFL today, what do you need that pick for? You can always trade back for picks if you absolutely need them, yep. and the season turns out to be a disaster. But you have your quarterback. You have your defense in place. You have some pieces, some weapons already. You certainly have a running game. If you need one extra piece, what good is that draft pick going to do for you this year when you're in the playoffs up against the Eagles and you need that one extra thing? You need that one play from that one guy. To me, when teams aren't active, they're saying we feel like we're good enough with this roster and the pieces that we have now to win a championship. If you are even slightly in the contention conversation, this is why teams that aren't in the contention conversation make these moves. Okay, we're going to shape up for next year. We're rebuilding the Steelers. We have a young quarterback. This is going to take a couple years. Let's get some other young pieces to develop around him so we're paying guys at the right time. Run your organization that way. I'm not outraged the Cowboys didn't do anything, but it's just telling you they feel like they can win a championship with everything that they have right now. 
which, you know, history suggests that they're they maybe don't. not right about that. I will go as far as Shady before we get to you. Joy, as a football fan, I'm outraged that the Cowboys made no move for this reason. The Chiefs, better than the Cowboys made a move. Yep. The Bills, better than the Cowboys made a move. The Dolphins, better than the Cowboys made a move. The Eagles, better than the Cowboys made a move. The Vikings, better than the Cowboys made a move. The Niners, more talented than the Cowboys made a move. Every single team that's better than the Cowboys made a move. And the team that's more talented than the Cowboys made a move. Jerry Jones, how do you make no move? If the Bills that are already rich are sitting there saying, well, we can be richer. The Chiefs that are incredibly wealthy, well, we can get richer. The Niners that have all pros everywhere. So you know what? Let's add Christian McCaffrey, maybe the best running back in football if he's healthy all around. How do you make no move Jerry Jones? It is infuriating to me as a person that at least wants to see the Cowboys play at a high level because that means the NFL is at a high level. Shady, talk about it. Talk to me. You've been traded before, actually. Um, so you've gone through the whole trade experience, not at the deadline, but you've gone through the trade experience. What do you make of the Cowboys making no move? Did you get my notes? Uh-uh. Everything you said, I have on my notes. Look. Great minds. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, don't, I can't believe that they didn't make any moves. When I, when I look at the, the Cowboys, I think they're a solid team. They have what it takes to be a contender. They're missing a wide receiver. They're missing one more offensive piece. I think CeeDee Lamb is really good, right? I, I don't think he's a Mark Cooper. Which we seen last night get busy, busy. giving out crazy, crazy work. work. He was giving out crazy work. So imagine having a receiver. Let's not say on his level, but maybe a little less, right? Like I would, I would love to see Clay, um, Claypool. Claypool over there like that. That would be great for for that. Just one more weapon. I, I don't want to fit anybody. So Michael Gallup, he's the number two. Yeah, but he used to be the three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for his career, yeah. the three. Yeah. So when you go from a three, right, mostly playing the slot and et cetera. Now I'm the number two where you're required to do more. It's a different role. Gallup's been a two at times during his career. Like, Michael Gallup isn't the issue here. It's that uh, uh, they need no, the third I'm not, one. I'm not like, they need the third I, I guy. I don't offend anybody, but I just got to be honest. Look, I'm doing my job. <laughs> I'm doing my job, ladies and gentlemen. I, when I watch him play over the years, he's a three. Let's stop down there. Dave, I have to disagree with you. It's a three. I'm not going to say that Michael Gallup is the issue, but not having a number two is the issue. No, 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 no be, well, Hold on. Okay. Eagles. Okay. They got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You could argue both number ones. The Niners, mm, they go. have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. The, let's go to the AFC. You know what Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs are capable of. Right. And the Chiefs, you have Patrick Mahomes. He's a big joker. He makes everybody else exempt. Yeah. The Cowboys don't have that second bona fide dude. Why is Chase Claypool, who was traded to the Chicago Bears yeah, for a second-round pick, yep. why is that not worth it? Like, if you are a Cowboys fan, it's a second. But why would you not trade that second-round pick for a guy that's 6'4", 220, and can play. 4'4", and has shown you that he can go crazy? Number one, okay, so for starters, and, and I think the flip side of that argument is maybe, maybe they should have. I think the Cowboys look at it and say, we just spent the top 100 pick on a receiver. CeeDee Lamb is going to get re-signed, and we just signed Michael Gallup. So we're sending, we're making an investment in a guy. And, you know, if you trade for a trade, too, for a guy like Chase Claypool, yeah, the, gotta, gotta the expectations him. that you're going to sign him. So I can understand it from that regard. The other thing is, and the Steelers' offense is so weird with the amount of, like, jet motion and stuff that they do. Like, it's very unique. I would be curious to see how Chase Claypool would fit into 
that offense just because like CD, be great. CD Lamb can do no I'm, th- well, I'm talking about the Cowboys CD Lamb can do so much stuff in the slot you've got like Gallup is your ex go guy I'd be curious to see what role they would find for him and I wonder how much of that played into it as well I, well, I, okay, I'm sorry, Joy. I mean, maybe it's not sh- specifically Chase Claypool, but he was a move that yeah, was yeah. made today. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, at least you tried. Yeah, you that know? part. And, and, that and, part. And, and if you don't try, then it looks like a little bit you're not trying. <laughs> and to your point, why did all these other teams do this? And why Jerry? Well, Jerry is the owner. Right. And these other teams aren't run by their owner. They're run by great GMs and great coaches who work hand-in-hand to make decisions for their rosters that make sense for where the team is right now and where they're going in the future. And that's why the Cowboys didn't do anything. I'll I'll say this, and, like, I mean, forget the specific name Chase Claypool, but, like, the cost of a two – it goes back to what I said. The Cowboys want to do – everything on their terms. They don't want to be the perceived loser or like they're like, well, we would have done a three and a five, but a two, like that's just out of the question. And at some point you just have to say, screw this. We got a chance here. If we're overpaying, we'll deal with that later. Right. Shady, take us home. Deep in the playoffs, like you have the type of receivers where they're insurance, right? Like I look at like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Mike Evans probably the better receiver. But Godwin was solid, like insurance. The, the contested catches you need, them third and, and eights that you hear about years and years after the playoff game yep. or after Super Bowl, you need them type of receivers, which the Cowboys do not have. Not well, enough of them anyway. The Brooklyn Nets should have got insurance on Steve Nash because he out of there, and you will not believe who the Nets are allegedly looking to hire. It's that man. He's Nigerian, but I can't say his name right now because of what happened in the last That's next. Steve. They could just hire me. <laughs> Let's get back to the huge news in the NBA. In case you all have not been by your phones, it's getting wild out there. Nets parting ways with Steve Nash after their 2-5 and five start. But here's what's more important. The reports are saying that the Nat- Nets are progressing on hiring suspended Celtics head coach Emil Doka. However, the Nets denied that they've made their decision on the next head coach. Shady, I'm coming to you first. I know you are a Kevin Durant fan. Not sure yet if you were a Nets fan. We're getting to learn each other from a basketball perspective. Would it be a good move for the Nets to hire Ime? I think so, right? If we just strictly talking about this basketball, I think so. He took his first year, he took the Celtics to the championship, mm-hmm. right? Like, now I know they, they didn't win, but to get there, I mean, that counts for something. I think he's the type of coach where the, the players will respect him. Um, we have a, a team full of superstars, and you come from a team full of superstars. They can relate. And that's one thing I think, like, myself, when I was a superstar at, at the time, well, not no more, but when I was, I could call other dudes. Like, when I went to the Chiefs, I asked certain coaches or certain players about different coaches, about different players. Like, hey, you know, um, um, I don't know, whoever that was at the time. So, like, I think KD can go out there and call different players on that team. What you think about this? Smart. How you feel about et cetera, et cetera. So, one thing I, I think when players, when we respect the coach, it goes a long way within the team. I mean, why not? It's the Nets. I mean, this is honestly, when this news came across your phones today, was anyone actually really surprised? No. Like, initially, you were like, what? I laughed. I made sure I, I, liked yeah, it. I, 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 did, liked I did a double take and I was oh, like, right. it's, it's yeah. the Nets. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This, this actually, that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. I mean, look, you're right, Shady. He, he was a good coach. What he did in you say Boston. Past tense. He is. Well, good. yes, he was a good coach. What he did in Boston, taking that group 
that couldn't get over the hump to the finals and perform the way they did was very impressive. Mm -hmm. But being a coach is more than just the X's and O's. It's more than just organizing your players. You're also a leader of an organization. You're the face of an organization. You're the presence in the organization and you set the culture for the organization. And by organization, I don't mean just the players. You have a staff, you have a PR staff, you have media, you have people who work in the organization that run the equipment, that make sure everybody gets their mail. There's endless jobs within organizations and you're the big guy. You're the one that has to walk in the room and set the tone for that whole place. And that's the reason why winning organizations have people that you know you don't try, right? Nobody disrespects Andy Reid, not even because they might not want to disrespect Andy Reid. They know if they disrespect Andy Reid, someone else is going to come up to them and make sure that they don't do that again because right. everyone respects Andy Reid. Yeah. You disrespect Steve Kerr, you might not just have to answer to Steve Kerr. you got to answer to everybody else. That's how respect works. It, if you have friends within a, a friend group and someone's disrespectful, you check them. If you can't command the entire organization with a level of respect because you treat everybody with respect, to me, that's not a winning organization. So what he does as a coach, as simply or working with the players, you may be right. What he did X's and O's to, to galvanize that team, to get them back on track last year and take them to where he did was impressive. But I'm not going to disregard the baseline success that he walked into with the Celtics as well. He was the catalyst that took them over the edge, obviously. Yeah. But he didn't walk into a dysfunctional situation. This is a dumpster fire with the Brooklyn Nets, and I don't see how that changes. I'm torn. I'm I'm glad I'm sitting between you all, too, because I share both of your opinions. So, Shady, where I side with Joy is this. The Nets already have athletes and a squad with character issues. Kyrie Irving's literally in a debate with the owner over what is anti-Semitic and what is not. Okay. Right? That's just a problem. Uh, Ben Simmons, he doesn't want to play basketball one day. He wants to play basketball the next day. Right? That is a problem. Kevin Durant, he wants to play for the Nets one day. He doesn't want to play for the Nets the next day. That is a problem. Then Ime Udoka, we know off the court he has some character questionable decisions. That's where I side with Joy. Where I'm with you at, though, is at the end of the day. Wait, 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 talk to me, please. The issue was what? The issue was Uh, off the uh, Ben and Email Doug has off the court issues. Off the court, okay. Yes. So now we're outside with you, and I'm glad you cut me off at that point. Is on the court, Email Doka like that. Right. He took a team of talented individuals. Right. When you look at Smart, uh, when you look at the rest of that squad, Jalen Brown, Jaylen when Brown. you look at JT, like when yeah. you look at that squad, he took a team of talented individuals, took them to the next level. What are the Brooklyn Nets? a team of talented individuals who hopefully he can take to the next level. So I'm a little bit torn, and I see where Joy is at. I see where you at. I mean, but, like, like if we just strictly just focus on the basketball, right, because all that stuff he was doing, right, they still were winning. They still went to the championship. So whatever that is, because I, I don't know, I don't want to talk about someone I don't have the exact details on. But whatever that was, right, for, for, for him to get suspended, et cetera, bring that to Brooklyn, that the winning part. Because all that he was doing, he still was winning games. And then let's not front like every team, especially in basketball. Not even basketball, all sports. All, sports. all the superstars got stuff with them. I mean, am I, am I tripping? Like, they all have some issues with him. 
I, I actually oh, I agree with you on that. Just got to deal with it. Hey, get in, get in. I, I, I hate the phrase strictly basketball or keeping it strictly to sports. So, like, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. Like, you can't just gloss over. Like, to spell it out clearly, the man was suspended for a year by an organization that he just took to the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to speak out of turn either because – Details have been hard to come by about yeah. this whole thing. Like a secret, right? But it was bad enough that a team and Shady, you know, people who win, people make allowances for them. People make mm-hmm. exceptions for winners. It just it is what it is. Okay. I don't love it, but that's the reality of the world. They still suspended this guy for a year. And on top of that, even if you're right that they were still winning while all that was going on, right. It wasn't public knowledge, and now it is. And now he's going to go down to the media center of the universe yeah. with these. This, I mean, this is a like Joyce said. This is a dumpster okay, fire team with two of the most dramatic players in the NBA. Every time they lose a game, they're going to be questioning that on top of Kyrie and KD and everything else. Let me bring this perspective where Shady's at because you came from an organization in the Dallas Cowboys that has a whole lot of stuff going on that. Y'all don't know about. Dave and I have talked about some things. About, about Jerry? Just the organization. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Organ- oh, my bad. Okay. Organization. Yeah. Um, and we do now know of what was going on in, in Boston. But like Shady said, Joy, like Shady said, Dave, they was winning while this stuff was going on. Right. So Ime Udoka can coach regardless of what he's doing off the court and or on the court. It's not about whether or not he can coach and about whether it was happening. It's the scrutiny that comes with it. Again, like – it's, it is, it is, would you call it a scandal? Whatever you want to call it, it is a matter of public interest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, how many people do you think are going to be at an introductory press conference for him? It's going to be in the hundreds. But it's also more than that. What, outside of what happened and whatever your opinion of it is, which, quite frankly, I just don't care, to, to Dave's point, he took the Boston Celtics, right. okay, to the NBA Finals. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. And then they suspended him for a year. That doesn't happen unless it's something serious. Mm -hmm. All right. And and anyone around the league has heard what they've heard. So I'm not even going to get into all the details of it. Regardless, what happened happened. And here he is. Mm -hmm. Ime has a staff of people. You guys know this because we we gloss over these things all the time. And this is why this is a big deal. And this is why the Nets making this decision to me is just another reflection of how they run their organization, which is no culture. You have a staff of people that work for you. When a head coach gets fired from any sport, you have a staff. They have to then work with the interim coach. And when a new coach comes in, that coach decides if they retain them or not. They don't make $10 million a year. They have to then relocate their family, take their kids out of school, take their wife from whatever job she's in. The wife's got to pack up the house while they go there and find a new job. That's why good assistants stay with coaches for a long time. These are human beings that have jobs. And this is not just the coaching staff and the interns and people that were working up for promotions. This is a trickle-down effect of, I'm not going to exaggerate, thousands of people that are affected well, by where, these decisions. Point? Where are you going with this? Yeah. So Where's I'm saying when you have the responsibility that Ime had and then made the decisions that he made and then led to the repercussions that they did because they were that serious. If you are immediately rewarded with another job at the, the, the height level, the, the superstars, the right. responsibility of replacing someone named Steve Nash, who we're glossing over because he didn't have the success we wanted him to, yeah. but it's still Steve Nash, in a New York City, you're saying, we don't care how this goes. We really don't care right. what you think. We don't care what your opinion is. We don't care what any of right. anyone who right. works in the organization thinks mm-hmm. about this. We don't care what they- the coaching staff <clears throat> thinks about this. We're making choices based off of 
basketball only, which, as Dave pointed out, nothing happens in a vacuum. And, and she's right. But the only thing that matters, right, and I tell you this, he's that good. He's worth the risk. We're going to bring him in here because he can win games. And that's what sports is really about. There's so many times where coaches do different things or players do different things and they get suspended. But they can win games and it's worth the risk. They will have him in there. Probably. But, I wish, I wish I you were wrong, but you're not. You're not wrong. All right, that's the truth. You're not wrong, but I don't, I don't have to take them seriously as contenders because I don't think that teams that are this noisy, when they run up against a team like the Warriors, when they run up against a team like the Bucks, mm-hmm. when they run up against a team like a young, hungry team like the Cavs, who aren't in the news every day, who are just focusing on doing their work right. and who are hungry, who want to prove themselves, in the playoffs, you see what happens. When, they, when you're not buttoned real up. Real quick, real quick, though, because uh, 35 minutes ago we had a conversation about what the qualifications would be to replace the Nets. Mm, okay. You said you wanted a coach that got rings and things. Ime Odoka was on the Spurs He's as on, an assistant right, from go. 2012 to 2019. A Spurs team that beat your Miami Heat team. No, no, no. I'm talking about a head coach. Like, you won rings as a head coach. But don't yeah, you don't think that, carries that doesn't way. carry the same It way. clearly doesn't, but no, you're no, not no, going to no, find it. carries some way, some way. Because you're not going to find a head coach yeah. currently on the street that has rings that you can hire. So if you do need to meet those qualifications, wouldn't you say, Joy, very quickly, I know because of time I shouldn't even have brought this question back to you, but based quick. upon needing a coach that has some rings and some things, don't you think Ime is as good as there can be in the street? I, I don't think that Ime would do a bad job getting Kyrie and KD and Ben Simmons on the same page. Mm. But what about the rest of the organization? You know there's like role players and a whole other a roster that has to buy into this. There's a whole other organization that has to buy into this, and you're already a mess. You're already a mess. This isn't him walking into lockstep a situation in a turnkey situation. That's real. Well, speaking of turnkey situations, (laughs) Tua and Jalen Hurts, they both have incredible situations going on in Miami and in Philly, respectively. But what kind of pressure does that put on them? Which quarterback is under more pressure? That's next. Tua and Hurts, both balling. We don't talk about it. Are you playing NBA? Let's get back to football, y'all. It's been incredible for the third-year quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, Eagle, they are undefeated. They have a clear path not only to the playoffs, but further than that. And then Tua Tungavailoa, several people were out on him, but he is undefeated when he starts and finishes games. The Dolphins added linebacker Bradley Chubb, former first-round pick, along with Jeff Wilson earlier today. It is going great in Miami. Led us to this question right before the show. Who's under more pressure? Tua Hurts. Both of these quarterbacks had a lot riding on them going into the season. Joy, I will come to you first. Tua or Jalen Hurts, more pressure now that both rosters are loaded. I think Jalen, because the moves that Miami has, has made, as particularly up into the trade deadline, show that they're all in on Tua. They, they have completely backed him. They brought in an offensive coach. They've traded for Tyreek Hill, and now they've brought in Chubb. They are, they are loading up on the roster that they have right now, and not having first-round picks means you're not worried about trying to get a quarterback next year. So to me, the, the pressure is still on Jalen because the moves that Miami has made reflect that they're all in on Tua. So I I completely agree with that, and I think it's a great point. I think Jalen Hurts might be facing more pressure, like, within his organization because y'all know, y'all worked with Howie. Like, he could continue to ball out, and I'm still not 100% satisfied about his job security. But I I still think it's Tua, though, and it's it's public scrutiny, though. Because at the end of the day, right, like – and I'm not saying he's going to struggle, but if Jalen Hurts struggles, I feel like people fall back on their priors. They're like, oh, he's a second-round pick. This is sort of what we expected from a second-round pick. He's going to have his ups and downs. Tua was a top-five pick, and the organization is doing 
even more than the Eagles to really open that window and say, we think you're good enough to go do this. Now go do it. On top of that, the AFC, let's just be honest, it's way tougher than what the Eagles are facing right now. Like the Eagles would like uh, a sinkhole would have to open in Philly for the Eagles to not make the playoffs. Like they're in there, man. Like that's happening. The Dolphins, again, they're not first in their division right now. They did beat the Bills. I get it. But they're behind the Bills. The Bills are one of the best teams in the league. You got the Chiefs to worry about. That just, it looks a lot tougher. The road to the Super Bowl from the AFC looks so much tougher. But that is the expectation when you trade for a Bradley Chubb, when you do all this stuff to help Tua. So I just think publicly, it's a lot of scrutiny on him. I think it's Jalen. I truly do. This season, before the season started, we talked about can he be the guy? He has to prove it. And each week he's going out there, he's balling and balling. But now we're undefeated. We add A.J. Brown. He's balling. It's like the whole buzz is Philadelphia. Undefeated. Oh, my God. Super Bowl. Now he has to finish that thing. You, you, you started it. We got to finish it because after this year, we got to pay him some money. Now we're going to pay him for we, we 7-0. After 8-0 and then we start slipping and he doesn't play well, then what? So the pressure is on him to stay, I guess, um, um, at a superstar level and being undefeated. That's a hard streak to continue. So I think it's more on Jalen. I'm with you. I think – there's a lot of pressure on both. Let's be real. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, though, if you start 7-0, and Eagles 7-0, you start 7-0. 8-0 Thursday. Speaking to the assistants. If you start 8-0, um, then you really have to start to think like, hey, y'all, it's all the pressure on Hurts. Furthermore, here's what's crazy, Shady, and you get this better than anybody because you were in Philly. The infatuation for Jalen Hurts, it came so quick. So quick. Jalen Hurts played a game against the Saints in replacement of Carson Wentz, yes, and yeah. everybody was like, oh, hell, Hurts. Yeah, yeah. We forgot he started off winning three as a star, uh, uh, in his first four games. I didn't forget that. <laughs> then one, Jaylen, of, one of those was to the Cowboys. Jalen Hurts goes that. to the playoffs last year, and like Dave will remind us, got walked off the field. But it was still, oh, hell, Jalen Hurts. Right. Carson Wentz, get out of there. As if Carson Wentz didn't help the team go to a Super Bowl. Oh, hell, Jalen Hurts. Meanwhile, in Miami, it was like, we still got to do it. Tua, like, it was just different, and I don't get it. Like, Tua ended the season 7-2. and two. Joy, you watched every single game. You get it. Ended last year 7-2. and two. Tua's undefeated when he starts and finishes games this season. But the reception of Tua and Jalen is vastly different. So, different. for that reason, I think there's more pressure on Jalen, not even because he's better, just because people expect more of him. Let me go to this side of the table for a response. See, I think – I love what you just said, but that's why I think the other thing. Like, everybody pretty much likes Jalen Hurts, right? Like, Philly loves him. You can't deny what he's doing on the field. It's a cool story. He's a second-round pick. Lost his job at Bama. Went, like, was a good teammate about it with Tua. Went to OU. Like, there's no way you could be cheering against Jalen Hurts unless you just hate, hate, hate the Eagles. That's fine. Which, ironically, Tua also seems like this wonderfully nice guy, right? But, like, he lost out on being the number one pick to Burrow. And, like, nobody has really known how to feel about him until, like, the last month. Everybody's like, eh, should he have been picked well, before Justin <laughs> Herbert? Dolphins fans have known how to feel about sure. him. Sure. Dolphins well, okay. fans Okay, give the credit to the Dolphins. But it just, I feel like people have been more reluctant to buy in on Tua. And for that reason... If they struggle having done all of this, people are going to react really negatively. But I'm not anticipating that either of these teams are going to all of a sudden start struggling. Now, yeah. I don't think that the Eagles are going to go undefeated, and I certainly think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs 
So I, I don't, I'm not saying this from a place like if they start struggling, sure. If either of these guys start really struggling, then the conversation is going to change about them. So I'm assuming they're going to stay at the level of play they are now. Yes, they're going to lose. That's hard, though, Joy. What do you mean? Because they both are like MVP levels. Yeah. Okay. Like, you think they can sustain that? Okay. I don't think that two is going to win every game for the rest of the season, just like I don't think the yeah. Eagles are going to go undefeated. But you can lose games and not, not be an MVP candidate. Josh Allen has lost a game. He's leading the MVP race. So I, I think it's more about the organization to me when I think about the, the, the pressure. And that's why I would say it's, on, it's more on Jalen because the organization has shown they're not looking for another quarterback. And as you guys know, in Philly, we're not so sure that they want to commit to a quarterback maybe ever. Mm, yeah. Cowie Roseman did I, say. I was just thinking more just like, so we get to the playoffs, right? We can't go out the same way we did last year. Can't do it. And we got to pay him next year. And we got Howie Roseman in the back. And you got two first-round picks in the season. And you guys made the playoffs last year. Yeah. The Dolphins did not. But. And, 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 and haven't made in a while. So Tua making the playoffs this year is an improvement in growth. Like, to me, the Dolphins have showed they're all in on Tua. Even, and even if they don't win a playoff game this year, which I think they will, You've got a first-year head coach. You've put a bunch of new pieces together. They're looking at this as a, as a couple-year thing, whereas I think the Eagles are, like, all in right now to see what Jalen is. There were several moves by teams trying to make the playoffs today. Some you heard about, some you did not. We are going to tell you who the biggest winner was at the deadline. That's next. Do not go anywhere. Speak. The NFL trade deadline, it has come and gone. Hopefully your team made a huge trade because, well, the Bears did, the Broncos did, the Dolphins did, the Niners did, the Cowboys did not. So let's take a moment now to talk about what our favorite trade deadline move was. Shady, I got to come to you first. There were a lot of huge moves yes. made all throughout the league, both this week and last week. What was your favorite move at the deadline? Christian McCaffrey. Mm. You bring him to the Niners? Mm. All-pro running back? Listen, Kyle Shanahan... And with, with these running backs and this running game he has, I can't name a running back that, that played bad or did bad there. He makes regular guys. That's a good point. He makes yep. regular guys look good. Yep. So what's he going to make McCaffrey look like? Mm. Then you sprinkle a, a little bit of, of mm -hmm. Debo, mm -hmm. right, with Kittle. Yep. Now with, with, with this quarterback, it was a big controversy. Who's going to be the guy, Trey Lance or Jimmy G? It doesn't matter. You got an offense full of all-stars with a good offensive line. So now that can be safe. Let's draw some plays up. You know, like even last week, he was just dumping the ball off. They were doing all the work. Come on. First player since 2005, passing touchdown, receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown. Can we talk about that? Just like Kyle Shanahan did that. Crazy Kyle work. Shanahan did that on purpose. He when just he was ran, like, yes. he wanted the league to know what he had. The first two, I don't think he did on purpose. The receiving touchdown, the passing touchdown. But running inside zone with Christian McCaffrey at the end of the game, yeah. let me know, like, nah, he wants to hit the trifecta. Dave, you're speaking, so speak even more, sir. What was your favorite move of the trade deadline? Christian McCaffrey is probably the right answer, but just so I don't repeat Shady, like, I don't, don't, wrong with that. don't sleep. Oh, well, I'm, if you want to be right, I'm just going to be nice to you okay. this whole segment because don't sleep on Robert Quinn going to Philadelphia. Ooh. I like, and not only that, how, like, Howie Roseman is so good at this. Like, how do people keep letting him get away with this? Like, <laughs> Robert Quinn had 18 and a half sacks. I know, like, he's not having a great year. So what? The Bears aren't that good of a team. They got him for a fourth round pick. So you're not even giving away anything that you care that much about. And now you've got a guy, look, Robert Quinn, he's older. He's a sack hunter. But guess what? You don't need him to be a well-rounded in. You put him in there on third and eight with 
Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. Who am I forgetting? Uh, Hassan Reddick. Uh, there's like six. Hey, go get Dak. There's six of them. Not seriously. Like the yeah. Cowboys should be very alarmed by that's that. Right. They've right. got a guy in Robert. They had Robert Quinn a few years ago. He had 10 sacks. That's how he wound up in Chicago on a 70 million dollar deal. <laughs> so I know he can do it. And they're not asking him to be anything other than like their third end. That's an amazing value. Joy Taylor. That's a lot of Philadelphia love. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. It felt dirty. It felt dirty. I love the Bradley Chubb move for the Dolphins. One of the issues that the Dolphins had was sacks. They're 21st in sacks with 15 this year, and they can't get to the quarterback without blitzing, which is a problem. They have 19.9 pressure rate on non-blitzes. That's 29th in the NFL. So you bring in Bradley Chubb to a defense that has some pieces. You got young JT and Jalen Phillips out there doing things. So I like this move for them. This was a question that they had, and they solved it. I like when teams are aggressive at the trade deadline and throughout the season, but I also like when they actually make moves that solve things that they need, and this is what Bradley Chubb is. So obviously all these moves were were good moves and impressive, but to me this actually solves something that the Dolphins needed, which makes them even more formidable than they already are. Let me pick an answer that nobody's thinking about. Not sure it makes sense, Mm. but I'm going to say it anyway. Chase Claypool, and I don't like it for the Bears. I like it for the Steelers. Steelers, we know, sunk cost for them this season. Mike Tomlin, unfortunately, your streak of 15 consecutive seasons without a losing season is probably going to waste. But if you can trade Chase Claypool, who hasn't had a 1,000-yard receiving season, probably not going to have a 1,000-yard receiving season this season, he is a headache in the locker room, and he was only drafted in the second round, and you can trade him three years later for a second-round pick? You're stealing. Everything we've talked about this year, the reason you like the McCaffrey move, it leads to success this year. The reason you like the Chubb move, success this year. Quinn move, success this year. Same thing for Claypool and the Steelers. The success is get rid of a guy that's not actually contributing and use the draft capital to try to get somebody that is contributing. We know the Steelers are not going to be good this year. They said, bet, I'm going to be even worse. It's kind of like when you play spades. You play spades? No, I play deuces. I play tunk. Oh, my God. I play tunk for money, too, though, so let me know. <laughs> That's an off-air conversation. For my anyway, uh, when you play spades or heart, something like that, you can go blind nil. You can go nil. essentially saying, I'm not even trying to win. Like, trying to lose is now the effort. The Steelers did a great job of executing. Hey, we're not even trying to win. Let's get capital. Dave Hellman. I, I agree with what you just said, but, like, I like that move for the Bears for what it's worth. Like, I do too, actually. It's not sexy because we don't think the Bears are a great team, but very quietly they played a terrible game against Washington. They had a long weekend off. Ever since then, they're, like, pretty decent on offense. They're, like, middle of the pack in all of the statistical categories. Justin Fields has looked a lot better. I mean, he played a nice game against Dallas. Obviously, they lost by 20. I hate it. Let me tell you why he I needs, hate it for the Bears. He needs receiving I, I, options I like if you're going to evaluate like Here's why I hate it. Bears, what are you doing? Are you trying to win or lose? You trade Robert Quinn, an 18-and-a-half sack guy. You trade Ro- Roquan Smith, the best player on the team, leads the National Football League in tackles. So you got rid of one of the top sack guys, one of the top tacklers in football. Then you trade a second-round pick to get a receiver? Can I, I'm confused. Do you want an answer? Please. I got it for you. They're shedding bad contract situations on yeah. defense where yeah. they need the help less and adding pieces that can help them evaluate their offense. Like, we need to see Justin Fields working with NFL receivers if we're going to find out if he's good. Yeah, the Bears, are, the Bears are in that weird limbo space where they're not the Steelers where we have a rookie quarterback and we know we're rebuilding this year. And they're not quite contenders, but they have Justin Fields at a space in his career where they've got to put pieces around him to to evaluate him properly, and they're still not going to win 
this year. So it's a, it's a development space, not quite rebuilding, but developing. So that's why that move makes sense. I, I like that move, though, because a guy, he's not really accurate. I'm being serious, though. I'm not trying to hate on him, but I'm serious. A big body, you know, Claypool, like 6'4". Yes. So I don't have to be perfect. Throw the ball up, let him go get it. I feel it. I feel it. Justin Fields, hopefully you ball out with him. What's up, family? It's time to take care of some family business and check in on our speak standings. Let's see what's up with it. Let's see what's up with it. Let's see it. what's oh, up. Oh, your boy's coming back. Oh, Shady. Yeah, it's your it's boy. Yeah, hey, you know what they say. They say it's only at the top, but I don't feel lonely. Um, Shady, you're in the second place. What happened, big dog? Hey, look, look. Listen. Hey, can you I'm get a frame? Get him frame. I'm just letting everybody know this. By week 11, I had a number one spot. You heard? Joy, you had a good week? You had I a good week? I did have a good week. Ten and five. Ten week. Now, Dave, what the heck happened to you, big dog? I'm falling apart worse than the last week. He just insists on picking Jacksonville every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, I ride with the it. Jags and, and the Cardinals. Thanks, Cardinals. What about my Phillies, though, Nothing. baby? Go to camera, Let's go, Philly, we Do ready. It. Game three, Philadelphia, we going. <laughs> w, baby. Hey, that's it Where them Astros? Where them Astros Ray at? Next. Where them Astros at?